Every time. The people in the back are like, who is this chick? I've never seen her before. <laughs> My name is Jess. If we haven't met, um, I am the Fusion Coordinator here. And so, yeah, come on, coordinating. Love it. Uh, yeah, let's go. Um, I love how you guys just cheer for everything. It gets me real hype, you know? Um, I'm super excited to be here. Um, I first and foremost just want to honor Pastor Vanton, Pastor Gabrielle. Pastor Gabrielle is in the building. Can we just give it up for her? Pastor Gabrielle, you guys are amazing. I'm so honored to serve under you guys, both Pastor Vanton's watching online with little Noah Smith. So love him. I love your son. Anyways, um, He's so cute. If you don't follow them on Instagram, go ahead and follow them because it's all about Noah, and he's like the cutest little kid you'll ever see, so you're welcome. Um, that was not planned out. Anyways, <laughs> okay, moving on. First and foremost, if you are a senior, I know we just celebrated you guys, but can you guys lift your hands? I just want to see y'all in the room. Okay, we got some seniors. Let's go, Okay. If you, is that just my youth seniors? If you're a college senior too, can you graduate? Or if you just graduated, raise your hand all across the board. Okay. Well, I just wanted to celebrate and just say we're proud of you. Um, college graduation, high school graduation is no joke. Um, for me, at least, I was real holding on. I crossed that finish line, though, in the name of Jesus. But I just want to celebrate you guys. But also, I just want to take a time to pray over y'all. Um, and so for everyone who just graduated, can you just lift up your hand again? And if you're around anyone who is a senior who just graduated, we're just going to extend our hands to them because we're going to pray them into this next season, um, covering them, blessing them, hedge of protection over them. So just lift up your hands towards seniors. Um, you can put their hand on your back. And we're just going to pray over y'all. So, okay. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much um, for all the seniors, all the college graduates, all the high school graduates um, from all different places, locations, God. I thank you that your hand is over them, Father, that you are taking them from where they were and you're putting them on a path of blessings, God. I pray favor over them, favor over their name, favor over their face, God, that as they walk into rooms, that people will draw near to them, God. I pray for blessings. I pray, to pray a hedge of protection over them, God, that as they step into this new season, Father, that they may know you, that you are before them. I pray that they will hold tight to you as they go into a season of transition, God, but I thank you through every step that you are over them. I thank you that you love them, and we just celebrate them tonight, God. And so we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we give it one more time for our seniors? Let's go. All right. So we've been in this series that wasn't supposed to be a series, but ended up being a series on staying the course. And so I get the opportunity to continue on what Pastor Vance has been talking about the last few weeks. However, when it came to me, like, really thinking through staying the course, I'm like, what else is there to talk about? I'm like, Pastor Vance did a great job these last few weeks, really covering all of it. So I was like, okay, God, what really is there left for me to say? Like, I'm, I'm really stumped because, I mean, he talked about, like, prioritizing God, not having distractions, knowing the voice of God to stay the course, not putting idols above God. He talked about God ordained pain and how to continue on. And so I was like, I am, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm like, okay, God, like I'm preaching, but like, I don't know what else you want to say about this. And so as I was wrestling with it a lot, the Lord switched my perspective instead of 
looking at like how to stay the course, he asked me why stay the course. And yeah, we like that. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Why stay the course? And I was really stumped by it because I was like, okay, God, well, why do I stay the course, you know? And when I think about why I stay the course, I first and foremost want to look at Jesus and why he stayed the course. And so it says in Hebrews 12, 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so it says how Jesus, the pioneer of our faith, who we are looking towards, so we're looking towards his why, what, like, why did he endure the cross? And it said because it was the joy that was set before him. And I know that we hear the death, the resurrection, Jesus rose for you, Jesus loves you. Um, but I think that's such a tactic of the enemy for us to hear it so much but not understand the power behind it. And it, like it's so watered down to us that we can hear that Jesus died for us and it's like, okay, and he rose again, it's like, okay. But there's so much power in it. And so I just wanna first and foremost, when we talk about what Jesus endured, we have to understand that Jesus was in control of the situation the whole time. It wasn't that he was like, once Judas betrayed him, he got arrested and he was out of control or he wasn't in control of the situation. Jesus, every single step of the way, submitted it and was in control of the whole situation. That means he took every lash and allowed it to happen. He didn't just like, that didn't just happen because now that he was in control of them, they got to do it. Jesus could have stopped everything like real quickly. And every, everyone would have stopped. He could have been like in the sky glowing, fly, like whatever Jesus would do in that situation. We don't know. But he would have done like completely stopped the situation, right? He could have. But instead he chose to keep taking a step through and during the persecution. Like it wasn't just one out and he died. It was one, another whip and another whip and another whip. It was abandonment. It was taking upon our shame, taking upon your depression taking upon the molestation, taking upon the brokenness, taking upon the insecurities, taking upon your pain, your suffering, my suffering. He took upon himself. He chose to do that. He was in control of that. We didn't put it upon him. He endured it. He took it upon himself. He walked. He knew it wasn't just one nail. It was three. He allowed every single part of it to happen. And so when we think in that lens of what Jesus actually endured, the joy that was set before him better have been pretty good. Because I don't know about y'all, but like, it's even hard for me to get, like, get through a workout and what the joy is before of like, yeah, okay, I worked out, cool. <laughs> like, the joy better be good that is set before you if you're gonna endure that kind of pain and that kind of suffering and that kind of crucifixion and that kind of abandonment. Like he was betrayed. The only people that were left at the cross was John and his mom. Complete abandonment. He, he accepted that. He allowed that to happen. So what was the joy that was set before him? Us. And I know we've heard it. Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. He endured all that for you, for me. The joy that was set before him was relationship with us. Because of that, what was set before him, he stayed on course towards the why, which was us. 
The why helps us stay on course. The why is why we can continue to walk towards something because we know that what is joy, the joy that is set before us, that's what we're walking towards. That's what our gaze is on. I believe that while Jesus was dying on the cross, he saw each and every single one of us. He said, I'm doing this for you. I'm submitting for you because I want you. I want relationship with you. And that's, that's so worth every part of my life being beat and bruised, every emotional stress, everything. It was worth it for you. How often do you let that actually sink into your life? Do you know that? Do you know what Jesus endured for you? That was Jesus's why. And so what is our why? What does the Bible talk about that our why is? Well, he made it real simple for us. He gave us the Bible. Praise God, I brought my physical Bible today because I wanted to use it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but at the end, there's one book called the book of Revelation. Praise God, he made it so simple for us. He literally was like, this is what is before you. Like he literally wrote down what is before us. And if you've never read the book of Revelation, it's pretty wild, I'm not gonna lie to y'all. Um, it's real wild. Um, but the book of Revelation, just the context of it all, was the disciple John, he was one of the last disciples that haven't been persecuted yet, and he was living, I forgot where, and basically he didn't agree. I know that was, so, that was not good on me, sorry. I forgot where he was living. But basically he, <laughs> thanks, appreciate it. Um, he basically wouldn't say that, Jesus, or that Caesar is Lord. He wouldn't worship Caesar as Lord. And so because of that, he was exiled into this um, land called the island of Patmos. And so he was by himself, literally just slowly dying. And it says that in, while he's on that island, he was in the spirit. Like, what else do you do on a deserted island? You be in the spirit. You know, you're worshiping because what else do you do? And so he was in the spirit. And in that, Jesus comes and reveals himself. And he reveals all these revelations of like, a beast and some like 10 headed things, some like seven horns, which the math doesn't even add up to the horns of the heads. And then you got like crowns, you got lightning, you have some pregnant woman. Like it just is wild. Like it, it's really wild. Um, and so I think it's just when we think about revelation though, it's not revelations, but it's revelation. And the revelation is Jesus Christ. And it all goes back to the one revelation of Jesus Christ. And so what is the joy that is set before us to stay the course? The revelation of Jesus Christ. It is who he is. It is that is what is set before us. That is what we are walking towards. That is what we are longing towards. Is that one revelation of Jesus Christ. That is our why. And why is Jesus that? Why is Jesus the ultimate goal? Why is he the one that is set before us? Well, the Bible gives a whole background of it, but Colossians 1, 15 through 20, it says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, 
so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Man, sometimes when I read scripture, I'm like, I don't even know what that just said because that was just like a lot and it was just a lot of like repetition. But basically, it says how in him, all things were created. Everything was created in him, for him, and by him. So that is God's hand is on everything. Jesus' hand is literally on every single thing. From the beginning to the end, it's by him, for him, through him, all, all goes back to Jesus. So whatever you're seeking for, whatever you're longing for, whatever it is, it all will come back to Jesus. Whatever you're seeking for in the world, whatever you're wanting for in the world that doesn't fill you because it won't fill you, will always go back to Jesus. At the end of the day, we will always go back to Jesus because literally it's by him, for him, through him, to him. All about Jesus. All about Jesus. He is everything. And then it says how he went before us. He was before all things. He is the firstborn. So before you even got in your car on the way over here, he was here. Before you got in your car, he was before you. Before you were born, he was before you. Before the creation of the earth, he was before you. He walked the journey before you did. He walked your day before you did. He went before you in all things. That's why he's the supremacy, because he was the first among men. He was the first among all. That's why he is on the throne. That's why he is good, because he is everything. He is everything. He is on the throne. He is the firstborn. He starts everything. Everything comes after him. That's why he gets to sit on the throne. That's why he is a good God. And then it says, which it just keeps getting sweeter and sweeter, it says God is pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. God looks at Jesus and is a proud father to say, all of me, I'm pleased to see in him. How beautiful is that? Like, all of God all of his deity, all of his fullness, all of his glory seen in his son, and he takes delight in that. He takes so much delight in his son that he just pleased with him. God himself is pleased with Jesus. God, the first, everything, I mean, they're like Trinity, so they're all three in one, then it gets kind of confusing, but God is pleased with his son. Jesus is on the throne. He is everything. Everything goes back to him. And then, last but not least, it says, through him, everything is reconciled back to him. He's so good to us that he literally will reconcile us back to him because he knows what he can offer us. He knows that he's everything. And it's not pride. It's that he's God and he literally is everything. Like it just gave you why why we should want to be reconciled back to him is because he's everything, he's above all things, he's literally in control, and now he's reconciling us back to him. Back to him, it all goes back to him. 
because he is everything. And it, amen, in the name of Jesus. If you, if you still don't believe it, Jesus is everything. Jesus has multiple names that he reveals himself as himself in scripture. And so a few names just for Jesus. One, he is our savior. He is our redeemer. He is Lord. He is creator. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is our lover. He is our father. He is mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, wonderful counselor. He is our restorer. He is our provider. He is our everything. He is our friend. And if none of what you're looking for falls in that, he reveals himself as the I am. And you're like, that, I am. He reveals himself as the I am. And you know how powerful that is? Well, to understand that, we have to look back at the Old Testament and how when Moses was getting called by God in the burning bush, God tells him, go set my slaves free in Israel. Um, go set them free in Egypt. And Moses was freaking out and was like, I don't know about this. And God says, I am is with you. God reveals himself to Moses as I am. I am is with you. I am everything that you need. I am everything that you need. I am. Like that is literally the statement that he proclaims himself is I am. And when Jesus says this in scripture, he says it to the woman at the well. And he says to her, I am. I am what you've been looking for. I am what you've been longing for. And that is crazy because in that moment, he just declared how he is God. How he was the one that was in the bush with God. He was the one that was speaking to Moses. How good is Jesus? He is literally everything. Everything. But you see, we know that, right? Even if you don't, you're like, I've heard it before. Jesus is good. He's, he died and rose again. So we know that. But we can read it in scripture and not actually have the revelation of who he is in our heart or have the re revelation of him as your redeemer, as your restorer. Because we can say, you know what, Jesus is my savior. I've been saved, right? But then we go over here and we're looking for drugs to fill us. We're looking for alcohol to take the pain away. We're looking for weed to take the anxiety away. We're looking for all these other things, drugs to be healed. We're looking for everything else when he said, I am what you're looking for. I am the healer. Or we're looking for freedom and having a good night out. Or we're looking for freedom and friends or looking for freedom and influence or looking for confidence and influence. But Jesus said, wait, but I am everything. I am what you're looking for. I am. I am everything. I am your restorer. Stop looking at the relationship to restore you. I am your restorer. Stop looking at finances to give you peace as your provision. He is our provision. He is our provider. He is our lover. He is our savior. What area have you not let Jesus be enough for you? What area have you not let Jesus be enough for you? Because here's the thing. We all struggle with not being satisfied in the, in the Lord. We all struggle with it. But we fool ourselves when we're like, you know what, Jesus, you're my savior. 
but then we are not letting him be enough for us. Because he is enough for us, we just read, clearly, he is everything that we need. He is enough for us. So why aren't we letting him be enough for us? Why are we in situations seeking for everything else to be enough for us but him? We make God an option. In the moment, and I've done it. In the moment of like, I really need help. I'm like, in the middle, I'm trying to call everyone else instead of just, wow, Jesus, you're with me. We all do it. Or I'm seeking a relationship to fill me because I want it and I think that's what's going to make me happy and that's what's going to satisfy me. And Jesus is like, I'm the one that satisfies you. I'm the one that you've been longing for. You won't be filled by him. I'm the one that fills you. Let me fill you first. Let me be enough for you first in this area. We want godly friends. Who is God to you as a friend? You want godly friends? How has God been a friend to you? Have you allowed him to? Is he enough for you in that area of life to be a friend to you? God, in the name of Jesus, it's hot over here. God is enough for us. He is enough for us. He is everything. And I think as I grew up, I didn't treat Jesus as he is enough for me. I like wanted him to be, but I knew that he wasn't enough for me when, you guys are going to laugh, but when, (laughs) so people, you know when like world situations happen and everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's the end times, Jesus is returning. And it's like anything bad that happens, that's like our automatic, like the end times. And I'm not trying to have that conversation, but I'm just saying that anytime that happened, I would literally, like I'm not even kidding you, be like, please God, don't come back yet. Like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not married, I don't have kids, I haven't written my book yet, I want a career, like just don't come back yet. And when I tell you I'm like so serious, like I'm so serious, like I, I did not want Jesus to come back. Like I'm like, like I haven't done what I wanna do here on earth. And thank you, someone agrees. And so I just, it was, it was so wrong of me to think that way because I'm like, again, everything that I thought that I wanted, I didn't let Jesus touch. And literally saying, I'm like, God, I want to get married before you return. Okay, let's, let's, scripture, he is the groom coming back for his bride. So at the end of the day, you know, if I don't get married here on earth, I'm going to be married in the name of Jesus, you know? But (laughs) all the women are like, yeah, praise God. But like, let's be honest. But I'm serious. Like, it's a desire. And I know you guys have desires too. But if if you can't truly say, Jesus, I don't want you to come back, then he's not enough for us. Because it's the longing that we have for Jesus to return that is what is keeping us in step, keeping us on course. It's the revelation of Jesus that is set before us for us to stay the course. And why is that so beautiful? Because he is everything. He is everything. And the Bible talks about how um, a lot of different circumstances and situations on how, like, when Jesus returned. And there's a story um, that I love, but it's also like, I don't know, uh, is the story of the ten virgins. And how, if you haven't heard that story, 
basically the summary of it is there's 10 virgins that have oil and lamps, right? And they're waiting outside the doors for the wedding feast. And they want to be a part of the wedding feast. And then basically what happened is they fell asleep and the wedding bells rang and the bride and groom came and they woke up. And then basically five of the virgins didn't have enough oil in their lamp. And five of them brought extra. And so the five that had to go get more oil missed the wedding doors, missed being able to be a part of the wedding ceremony. And this is used in context for a parable saying, be ready when Jesus returns. You never know when the day or time will be, so always be prepared. However, and I'm not saying that's not wrong, God has shown me a different view on it in that the five virgins that had enough oil I believe that they brought that oil is because they knew that everything of part of life would be found in this moment of him returning. Every part of their longing, I just believe that they so longed to be in that door and be in that room that they brought everything to the table. They didn't hold anything back. They didn't have an exit to go back to. They didn't bring extra, they didn't not bring extra oil. The other people didn't bring extra oil because they had the potential that maybe they won't come and I can go back to it. What area of your life is Jesus not enough for you? What area did you leave behind that you haven't let Jesus touch that you're going to miss out? And I'm not saying you're going to miss out on Jesus returning. I'm just saying you're missing out on Jesus being everything for you and Jesus fulfilling you and satisfying you and walking with you. And so what got me to the place of being like, I, Jesus come back right now and I would be jumping for joy. What got me to that place is because of the one revelation of Jesus, because of the joy that was set before him and that we have relationship with him, I get glimpses of the revelation of Jesus daily. Growing up, my dad would always pray for us at night and he always would say, like always a part of his prayer would be, God, I pray for encounters. I pray for revelations. And he knew that is because that is what brings life to you. That is what brings the honest and the longing and the adoring of Jesus. It's being able to look at his face and everything that you're longing for is before you. It's sitting in your room and him revealing himself to you. And you're, and you're looking at him and you're, and you're weeping because he's so beautiful and he's everything that you've been longing for. And he reveals himself to you as only that he can. And it makes you weep. And then you think and you're like, this isn't even it. There's so much more. There's so much more. Like, I, I, I long for Jesus to return. I I long to see him for all that he is. Like that, when you look at his face, when you look at him, you don't even realize that you've been staying the course. This last year, I when I promise you, I don't know how I'm here today. But it's because I just kept 
looking at him and falling in love with him. And he kept revealing himself to me. And so I just kept walking towards him. And I said, God, I don't know how, but I'm just going to keep looking at you. And I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to keep looking at you because you're beautiful and you're everything. And nothing satisfies but you. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. My whole life is found in this. Daily. When I spend time with the Lord, I, I literally, before I even open scripture, I sit there and I'm like, God, my whole life is found right here. Like this is the most important thing I can do today. This is everything to me. And God, even if I don't feel like that, I know it to be true. And so before I even go out into the day, I know that I already, I'm already with him. I just had the revelation of Jesus Christ as everything that I need. So nothing is distracting me in my day because I'm longing for him. I'm too busy looking at his face to care about what other people are thinking. And trust me, I'm not perfect at that. But it's been areas where then it's like I sit with him, and when I long for something else, I, he, he shows himself to me in that way. And so when we're walking with him, when we long for him, you made it through things you didn't even know you could make it through because your eyes are so focused on him. So in awe of him, so longing to be with him. Everything is found at his feet, everything. And when we know that and we follow that and we step towards that daily, when you step towards the revelation of Jesus daily, you will not get off course. You can't because you're so infatuated with who he is that you're just, you're just looking at him. You're just in awe of him. You're so in love with him that nothing else can compare. And it's for us to say, Jesus, where are you not enough for me? Why are you not enough for me? Because you are enough. You are everything that I'm longing for. Help me, God. Be what I need. Show me what I need and then reveal yourself to me as that. Reveal yourself to me as my father. Reveal yourself to me as my friend. Reveal yourself to me as my peace. I'm not gonna lie, it was hard to get here tonight. I, last night, I slept literally two hours because I had no peace. And I was like, God, I'm literally talking on this tomorrow. And so I had to war for it. God, you are enough. You are my peace. You are everything that I need. Like I just kept saying it. You are my peace. You are everything that I need. Spirit, believe it. Soul, believe it. He is everything that I need. He is the gaze. He is my peace. It's all about you. And so where is God? Where is Jesus? Where is the revelation of Jesus not enough for you? Where are you dissatisfied? Where are you not happy in? What are you saying that is like, when I get that, I'll get there? Because the truth is, you won't. 
it won't satisfy you. Because again, like we read, everything is from him, to him, by him, for him, all around him. He's the supremacy. He is everything that I need. So what are you believing that God is not filling? What are you believing that, is, that he is not enough for you? Be th- I need, like, truly, truly be thinking through that. Because tonight, Jesus is going to reveal himself to you. He's going to show himself to you if you allow him to. If you actually want him to. If you actually want him to reveal himself to you. Do you actually want to take the journey of falling in love with him and gazing upon him? Do you want to stay the course? What is your why? What is your why? And if it's not the revelation of Jesus Christ, then you will perish. Because the Bible says in Proverbs how lack of revelation, you'll perish. The revelation, the vision that is set before us, if you don't have vision, you'll perish. But what you're looking to is where you follow. Your gaze is where you follow. Your gaze is where you step to. I can't be looking over here and walking over here. Like, it doesn't make sense. Where you look is where you follow. What are you looking to? What is your gaze set upon? Because if it's not the revelation of Jesus, you're gonna miss out on the beauty that it is to know Jesus before we even get to heaven. I know that when I get to heaven, I'm like, Jesus is my, that's my friend. I'm gonna know Jesus when I get to heaven. And I'm gonna be like, man, you're so much better than you were here on earth because I just was not in the right place and I'm human and flesh. I couldn't contain all of you. And now I get to for eternity. Man, how I long for that. I, I so long for that. I want to be before him. I want to be in heaven where there is no pain and there is no tears, that he will wipe away every tears, that he is sitting on the throne. I long for that. And the early church got that. The early church understood, they believed that Jesus was going to come back literally tomorrow. They lived their life like that. That's why they could walk the course of persecution. It's because they were like, Jesus is so good and I have the revelation of him that I will endure this persecution because it's better to live with him. It's better to know him. You can walk through anything when you truly grasp who Jesus is because my word, he's everything. He's everything. And so for us to stay the course, Jesus has to be enough for us in every situation, big or small. We can't just let him touch the big things of like, Jesus, I know you're enough for me in the middle of the storm with my family. It's the little things of being anxious for the day. Let Jesus be your peace. It's the little things of, I don't know how I'm gonna provide for gas today. Trust God that he will provide for you. Trust that he is everything. Trust that he is going to reveal himself to you in the way that you need him to. And so how do we get to this place? How do we stay the course? How do we get to the place where him as our why is enough for us? That his why, because we were enough for him. And I don't know how. Like, the fact that Jesus endured the worst death that anyone could have ever gone through for us. Like, I know myself. I know y'all know yourself too. Ain't no, ain't no reason for Jesus to do that. 
I'm prideful, I'm selfish, I've messed up, I've said something's wrong, I've failed people, I'm inconsistent with things, I've led people on, all out of just flesh. It wasn't on purpose, because my heart is to be like Jesus, but I've failed. And Jesus said, I'm gonna die for you. I'm gonna endure the worst situation for you. Is Jesus as your why enough for you to endure? Is Jesus as your why enough for you? Because if it's not, we got to get to that place where he is. Because it's not him. He is everything. It's for us to get there. And so how do we get there? Three points that I have for you guys. First is the value. Oh, sorry. First is value the prayer of Jesus. My second point is value the people of Jesus. And my third point is value the person of Jesus. So first and foremost, value the prayer of Jesus. Um, I didn't put this scripture up there, but John 17 talks about Jesus' prayer. And he basically has like three separate prayers. The first one is just prayer for him, like between him and the Father. The second one was a prayer for his disciples. And the third one was his prayer for us. Like, I don't know if y'all knew that. Like, Jesus literally, when he walked here on earth, prayed for us. Like, he prayed for you. And so in John 17, his prayer, verse 20, it says, My prayer is not just for them alone, which he was talking about the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That they may be be one as we are one. Jesus' prayer is unity. Jesus' prayer is oneness. Jesus' prayer is that we are one with him in the way that him and the Father are one and that we're one. That's why the body of Christ is so beautiful and powerful because it's unity. It's Christ as the head and then we come arm in arm with each other and we serve each other and we provide positions for each other and we encourage each other and we live for each other. We're in the storms with each other. That's the body of Christ. It's linking arms and saying, I'm standing with you in unity. But unity doesn't come easy for us. Unity isn't just something that it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we tight. I'm not, like, I'm not tight with everyone. Like, let's be honest. Um, unity's, not, unity's not easy. Unity is hard. But unity is powerful. And even the devil knew that unity was powerful. Because in Scripture, Jesus had just casted out a demon. And the religious leaders were like, look, he's probably, like, why is he casting out a demon? And he basically is evil. Basically said that Jesus was with like on the side of demons. And Jesus was like, even the devil knows not to cause disunity within them. Why would a demon cast out a demon? The devil knew the power of unity. But the cool thing about it is unity starts with God as the Trinity. He is unity. He is the one that shows us what unity looks like. Anything that is united was, is reflecting him because he is unity. And so when we stand in unity, it's powerful because we're reflecting his power. We're reflecting him in three persons as one. We're reflecting who he is. 
And so when we fight for unity, we're fighting to see the power of God. And you know what unity does? Unity causes a move of God. And we see, that in the pen, we see that in the day of Pentecost. We see how all the disciples, all these people were waiting in one room for the Holy Spirit to fall. And they were united in prayer, devoted in prayer, united together. And in that room, the Holy Spirit fell and it overflowed into the town around them. That people that weren't even in the room were looking at them being like, what languages are you speaking? Like you're speaking my language. How do you do that? Unity in that room caused a move of God. Unity creates change. So why we fight for unity is to fight for that. Because we know that when we're united, the God, the power of God's gonna move. Things are gonna shift. Unity is powerful. And the way that we fight for unity is through the fruits of the Spirit, because the Spirit gives us that unity, because it's not of our flesh. Our flesh doesn't want to be united with not one person. We have to have the Holy Spirit living in us for that unity. But in that, the greatest of it all is love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, it says, love is patient. I know y'all know it, but love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You cannot love like that and not cause unity around you. You can't truly love with the love of God and not create unity. Because all you are is caring and loving for the other person. You're patient with them. You're kind with them. You're not self-seeking. You're not boasting. You are literally caring so much about that person. That person is caring so much about you. That's where unity is formed. It's through the love of God and the power of God. And we, as God's people, we need to rise up and start loving people a lot better than we are. And I'm guilty of it. We're so focused I wish I had my phone. We're so focused on this that we're like, hey, can I get a sub? Sorry, hey, can I get this? And we're so focused on this. Look up and look someone in the eye. Look up and have a conversation with someone. Look up and love. Ask people how their day is going. Why is it so awkward to talk to people in public? Just ask them, hey, how's your day going? It's not that hard. Hey, what's your name? It's not that hard. Engage with people. Unite with people. Care for people. The other thing is we know what keeps unity, but there's things that break unity. Two things that break unity is gossip and unforgiveness. Wow, Wow, y'all resonated with that one. Two things. I mean, there's many more, but these are the two that stood out to me. What breaks unity? Gossip and unforgiveness. Proverbs 16, 28 says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates a close friend. Gossip separates a close friend. We need to watch our mouth. We need to know what we're saying coming out of our mouth. Are what we're speaking building up or tearing down? Is what we're speaking building unity or taking and tearing it apart? Are we separating from a close friend? Gossip is a serious thing. 
because it breaks unity. It breaks the unity that reflects God. We have to hold our tongue. We have to be careful to gossip. We have to repent for gossiping. It's serious. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is bitterness rising up in your heart towards someone. It does as much harm to them in your relationship as it does to you. Unforgiveness breaks unity. Learn to forgive because God forgave you. And if you don't know how to forgive, you need to let Jesus reveal himself to you as a forgiver. If you don't know how to forgive, let Jesus reveal himself to the way that he has forgiven you. And you'll know and you will be able to forgive people. Understand that whatever that person did for you, did to you, you forgive because you know it came from brokenness. People aren't just out here to hurt you for no reason. It's because of a broken place in their heart and that's more sad than it is for them to just kind of make you mad. We have to see people through the lens of unity. I know that there's brokenness in you, so I'm gonna forgive you because I know that it's not even you. I know that it is some kind of brokenness that the devil has taken hold of and that's why you're frustrating me. But we have to fight for forgiveness. Fight to forgive people. It's hard, trust me, I know. I've had close people say some of the harshest things to me. Close people tear me down. But I've forgiven because I want to be pure before the Lord. I long to see the Lord. I long to look at him and be close to him. Unforgiveness can't allow that. If it's going to stop me between him, I don't want that. It's more important for me to be before the Lord to see his face in all the glory and the beauty. So I'm going to forgive. It's not easy, but I'm going to fight for it. So what keeps unity is love. What breaks unity is gossip and unforgiveness. Oneness is so important because we see him. So when we want Jesus to be enough for us, we need to fight for unity. Value Jesus' prayer. Value the prayer of Jesus. That is unity. That is oneness. My second point is value the people of Jesus. Jesus walked with people, and I kind of touched on it in the first point, but we need to start looking at people and walking with people. Jesus' ministry here and on earth is literally us. Like, we are his ministry. We are what he's after. He's sitting in heaven interceding for us. He's still after us. He's still on our side. He's still fighting for us. He's still doing ministry for us. He's interceding on our behalf. He's not even just interceding for you. He's interceding for the world. So he's interceding for the person next to you, your family, your enemy. He's interceding for your enemy. He's interceding for broken people, perverse people. He's interceding for Jesus wants everyone to be saved. So that person that did you wrong, he's interceding for. Help us, God, help us love people like that. Help us see people like that. Help us walk with people like that. We need to love people. When you start loving people, you start seeing Jesus' image in people. And again, he is everything. So now Jesus is in the people that you see. 
You can't not see him. He's in everything, for everything. Everything goes back to him. So people, when you look at people in their eyes, it's the image of Jesus. Love people like that. Help us, God. One of my biggest prayers, truly one of my biggest prayers, is Jesus, help me love people the way that you love people. Because that's what it's about. If you love people, if you came for people, I'm here for your people. Help me love people in the way that you love people. And lastly, is value the person of Jesus. This is through intimacy and intimacy alone. Value the person of Jesus. The truth is, is that Jesus already knows you. In Hebrews 4.13, it says, Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before him. We are before him, everything uncovered. He knows us. He knows every part of us. Everything that you're hiding from him, he knows. Every shame, every darkness, every insecurity, he knows. We're laid bare before him. He knows us. So we're to be intimate with him. And I think it's so cool that Carl already read this verse, but in Psalms 46.10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will exalt among the nations. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted here on earth. Be still. It's so crazy that he literally talked about this because I literally said in here, there's a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. If you've never read it, get it and read it because it is beautiful. Um, but it talks about literally eliminating hurry in your life. And that is because it says in the book, um, it says love takes time and hurry doesn't have it. Woo. Love takes time and hurry doesn't have it. We have to be still before the Lord. Be still enough that you are sitting with him for him for you to hear your heart and what your heart cry is. Because that's where we get the revelations of Jesus is because I'm sitting and I'm like, God, why am I longing so much for this? And that's when he reveals himself to you. But if you don't know your own heart cry because you're so busy looking at everyone else's, because you're so busy, so caught up in the world that you haven't sit still long enough to even know your heart cry, why and how is Jesus going to fill that? You have to invite him into that space. We have to invite him into that space. And so be still and know. That word for know in the Greek is yada, which is so cool. It's the same word in Genesis 4.1 that says Adam made love to his wife, had relations, had yada with his life, with his wife. So when we say be still and know God, it's literally intimacy with God. It's that unveiling of him and me. It's not just that he knows me. It's that he's going to unveil himself to us. What? Jesus himself wants us to know him, know him intimacy with him. He invites us to that. He draws us to that. Why? Like I said at the beginning, he knows that. He is everything. He knows that for our good is to be reconciled back to him. 
and you fall in love with Jesus when you're looking at him and you have revelations of him, you have intimacy with him, you sit with him, you take time with him. You can do that by reading the word. He is the word. You can do that by just sitting in silence. When was the last time you just turned off anything and sat? Allow him to speak to you because he's in the room. He's everywhere. He is everything. He's in the room with you. Allow him. Just sit long enough that you can hear his voice. Be still and know. Know that he is God. When you have a glimpses of Jesus here on earth, you're looking at him, the revelation of him, and you're staying on course. I'm going to have everyone please stand. I'm going to close. When we see that Jesus is everything for us, that he is enough for us, that everything is found in him, that there's nothing apart from him, that we want everything part of you. Jesus, I can't take my eyes off you, so I'm just gonna keep looking and I'm gonna keep trusting. And before I know it, you've brought me somewhere else. You've walked me through the storm because I couldn't take my gaze off of you. When G Peter walked on water, why he started drowning, he took his gaze off of God. And Jesus makes it so simple for us because he is everything in one. So we don't have to look for healing over here, joy over here, freedom over here, peace over here. He said, look at me and I give you everything in one. Everything in one gaze, one look, one touch. I can have everything that I need. I don't have to waste energy looking in any other direction. I don't have to waste time and energy and emotion into anything but him, because he gives me everything that I need. I long for the day that I see the fullness of him. That's what's kept me on course. My why is him. My why is him. And I keep looking at him and falling in love with him and standing in awe of him. And I get through and I don't know how. I'm so in love with him that I can't, that everything is going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Because it's him and I trust him and the amount of frustrations and the things that I don't understand. I know I said it last time that I lost my father and the hardest thing was that I don't understand it all. I don't understand it all. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating that Jesus says, pray with faith and your, answer, your prayer will be answered. I prayed with faith and my dad is in heaven. Doesn't make sense, God. Frustration doesn't make sense. But you know what Jesus did when I took that frustration to him? Let me heal you. Trust me, I see more than you do. And you know why I still can? It's because the revelations that I've had outweigh the frustrations. 
by a million. Like the honest that I've seen of Jesus, the beauty that I've seen behold before me. Yes, it was so hard losing my dad and I'm walking through and grieving through and it's, it's, really, it's really hard. Like I've been an emotional roller coaster lately because it's almost been a year since my dad passed away. So my emotions have been all over the place. But in that, at the end of it all, I literally, I sit there after weeping, I'm like, thank you God that you're in control. Thank you that I can weep uncontrollably and be in your presence and trust you that nothing can take advantage of this moment because I'm just in you. And that's what God wants for all of us. That's what he wants for you. He wants to reveal himself to you. And so with every eye closed and head bowed, I'm gonna pray. I first and foremost wanna pray for those that don't have a relationship with Jesus, has never had the revelation of who Jesus is. Because to stay on course, you need the revelation of Jesus. It's too hard without seeing him, seeing his beauty, seeing his love. And so if you're like, tonight, Jess, I want the God that you've been talking about. I want the encounter that he is everything. I'm sick and tired of looking for anything else. I want the simple that everything is found in one gaze. I want that. And if that is you, I encourage you to lift up your hand as a response. It's not for us. It's for you to respond to the call that I am saying, I'm going to start a relationship with God. I'm declaring Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Amen. For those that lifted their hands, we're gonna pray so you can repeat after me and all the believers can join in. Dear God, I thank you for the truth that you are everything that I need because you are faithful, you were faithful to die for me and to rise again. And I believe in that. I declare Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I repent for my sins. I'm sorry, God, but I want relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And also, I just wanna pray for the people in the room that the whole night, it's been a stirring of the question of what is Jesus not enough for me? And I want you to think of that and I want you to place it at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, will you reveal yourself to me in that? So Father God, right now, Jesus, will you do deep heart work? Will you reveal yourself to us? Reveal yourself to me, God for what I need, what I'm longing for. Be enough for me, God. Heal my heart, move in my life. And God, will you just fan a flame to intimacy with you? Will you draw me to the secret place? Give me a hunger for that, God. Give me a thirst for your presence that I may find myself over and over and over again, bowing at the revelation of the honest of who you are, God. And let me stay in that place where you are enough for me, God. Holy Spirit, awaken us when we haven't let God be enough for us. Draw us back when he hasn't been. Keep us in the hidden place if he hasn't been, God, because everything is found in that place. 
We thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna go into a time of worship and we're gonna make a response to that. We're gonna respond and worship Jesus for he is everything. For he is sitting on the throne. He is in control. He is all powerful. He is all glory. He is everything that we need. So we're gonna worship and respond to him and say, you truly are everything that I need. And I'm gonna pour out my worship unto you because that's what you deserve. So let's worship. <laughs> 